0: Welcome to the Penny and Pops podcast. He's Spencer Penny Strode. I'm Adam Pops Papa Giorgio. Assuming a trade for Donovan Mitchell or Kevin Durant isn't coming, the Magic were not ambitious during free agency. Weltham were basically like, we've got Paolo Banchero and Caleb Houston. We're good. On the one hand, no one got ridiculously overpaid. I'd say Bama got overpaid by about $3 million in my eyes, but it, it's still a short-term tradable contract. I'm not going to praise Waltham for going the easier route. We're young, super young, very young. We lost another important veteran, Robin Lopez. I believe it's 13 players on the roster, 25 years old or younger. Terrence Ross is the oldest guy on this team at 31 years old. Gary Harris is our only true veteran influence, and he's still only 27. That's a little scary because now it's about 2023. Be it the trade deadline, if we pleasantly surprise the league the first four months of the upcoming season, or next summer's free agency, you're putting your chips in then. And if you come up empty, then we're going to rewind and come back and have another talk about this 2022 offseason. Why wouldn't you go get Donovan Mitchell at a reasonable trade price? Who's going to be 26 years old soon, who's a consecutive three-time All-Star who has at least three years left on his contract, who fills your one big need of a scoring shooting guard. Why wouldn't you go get a guy like Mitchell? I I looked at the 2023 free agency list. It's not that great once you get past an aging LeBron. Do you care about an often-injured Fred VanVleet? I don't. I'm not paying D'Angelo Russell. No one should. I dislike Tyler Hero. I dislike his persona, and I think he's overrated on the court. I don't think Jordan Poole is going to end up becoming a better player than Donovan Mitchell. Maybe you disagree with me. I I don't see it. Like, he's got to show more than than a year anyway. Either way, we're going to have to trade for that star, be it now or next year. Rashard Lewis, 15 years ago, was the last big Orlando free agent signing. Cap flexibility means nothing if you can't get big talent to want to come here. This 2022-2023 season can absolutely not be about tanking. We have to compete. We have to be in the play-in if we're going to have any shot at bringing in talent our way but hey at least we've got Paolo and Caleb Houston let's go All the way, down the here's
1: Lewis turning when he shoots. Yes! And one, two, seven, here's for the win With a oh, man. You, gotta be kidding me. you gotta be kidding me I have never seen anything like that oh my goodness
0: all right penny we are back uh, we are recording this on Tuesday evening July 26th so exactly one month ago is when we did the last pod so between that I was in Greece for a couple of weeks uh, which is a few weeks too too few too short but um, I'll take what I can get. Uh, and then checked out Sanford a little bit over the last weekend, which, which is, uh, which is nice. Um, but we're back, I'm back talking magic basketball. And, uh, I did want to have to make one clarification because we were talking about how long we've been podcasting. And during my trip, uh, in Greece, I, I got an old Facebook alert that showed that we have been, we had actually started podcasting in July, in July of 2009. So that was when we actually started. I think I said ten or eleven. It was actually 9 So,
1: it's been a long run and a and fun if,
0: one. And if any of those had survived, uh, you know, who, who knows how many episodes we'd actually be on in total? But right. Um, all right, we're going to talk about Magic free agency and uh, and summer league a little bit. Uh, but we, we we're going to jump in and just talk about Donovan Mitchell because it's it's been kind of a talking point here. Uh, Of late. So Donovan Mitchell, Bill Simmons, Zach Lowe have brought up how the Magic could or should try and trade for him. Uh, Keep in mind that Adrian Wojnarowski and Sham Shrania haven't mentioned any Magic link to Mitchell. There's no actual source linking, linking the two. So this is just all pure rumor and speculation and I guess hope, but I've seen a lot of Magic fans not wanting to trade for Mitchell that it's too early for this team and how we should let kind of this upcoming season play out with it being Palo's rookie campaign and then like year two of Franz and Suggs. And I just think that's bullshit. Um, it's, uh, you know, I, I, Mitchell isn't even 26 years old yet. He's got three seasons left under contract plus a player option, I believe, which he may not even pick it up. I think it's like a $37 million player option and I don't want to project three, four years from now, what he's gonna do. But I mean, he very well might might let that go. Cause I mean he won't even be 30 yet when it's time for a new contract. But um, you know, he falls under that trading for a disgruntled star category in my eyes that Wilt and him have been waiting for and kind of have talked about. And I guess what out of the gate, Penny, what what you know, we talked about doing a Mitchell trade potentially one or two pods ago and we kind of both ended up going with I think we said no at the time, or we, we didn't think it was realistic. But has any of Sounds your like mindset you're... or viewpoint kind of kind of changed in that time?
1: I I think I feel the same way. It seems like you maybe have uh, come to a different conclusion. Is that fair to say? Well, what's your conclusion? Cause I think I because I I I'm
0: all for this trade. I, I am. I don't I don't remember what I don't specifically remember what my opinion was at the time. I think it was basically I would do it, but I, I, you know, one, I didn't see the magic doing it. I didn't especially see Mitchell doing it, which I still don't see Mitchell doing it as we'll talk about in a second here. But um, that was kind of my viewpoint is he's, he's the guy you kind of put your chips in. I think at at this point, I I don't know.
1: Yeah. I think, well, first of all, with, uh, you know, where he's at, I believe, even though with, you know, the the length of contract still remaining, he's still wielding quite a bit of power in terms of where he ends up. Uh, so I don't think that we would be on the list of, uh, you know, agreeable suitors. I think to your point, in terms of production and star quality, he checks the boxes of somebody that you would push the chips in for Uh, But for this regime, I don't know if his profile is uh, who they would choose to, you know, Jeff and John would would choose to push the chips and for going back to, you know, basically small guard.
0: Um, Yeah, so let me let me try to strengthen my point, because I because we've been talking about 2023 and that free agency class and all that. I'm going to give you some 2023 free agency candidates for guys that are, that would potentially play shooting guard. Uh, Cause that's technically the the biggest weak point of the magic at this point is shooting is starting shooting guard. Uh, let me know if you have interest in this player, assuming obviously that you got to pay them a lot. And also let me know if you like them more than Donovan Mitchell. So uh, Fred Van Vliet. no, I'm a no. I think he's, he's. I think he's like in his late twenties now, and I mean he's he's picking up injuries now. It's they're they're racking up on him. Uh, D'Angelo Russell, absolutely not. No, and, and I'd be curious to know how much his next contract's going to be because it, it if it's above thirty million dollars, I'm going to be stunned with with that. So I'm a no. Tyler Hero,
1: <laughs> I know you're a no. Uh, I'm a fuck right. no, but yeah, yeah, no, no, uh, and not to be a focal point. Uh Jordan Poole. No.
0: I I'm a no as well. Um, he's kind of on that Anthony Simon scale in a way, although I think Simon's actually proved more than Poole in my mind. And Simon just got paid four years, 100 million to stay at Portland. So I don't blame the magic for not throwing a an offer sheet or anything like that at, at at Simon's. Uh, you know, he's that kid's gonna be really good. I just I just would not risk a hundred million dollar contract for, you know, for four years on in that situation pool, he's got to, you know, maybe he'll, he'll be amazing again. This this coming season, but I just didn't think that's a Weltham target
1: at this point. Um, all right. How about Gary Trent jr. Uh, no, again, not for the money that we're assuming we'd have to pay. Him. Command. Yeah.
0: I, I'm, I'm with you on that. It, good player. I just, it's, I'm not, I don't want to pay over 30 million for him. Um,
1: Dylan Brooks is the last guy I have. That's interesting, but, but still no. Yeah. I feel
0: like magic fans would also hate him as much as they hated Aaron Gordon and spurts too. He's kind of a frustrating confidence type of guy. Obviously he's, he's, he's a great offensive weapon. And I mean, he's very, he's very versatile. Uh, I just, I, I, I would take Donovan Mitchell over him. So that's kind of my point. And can we agree that Utah is playing like the worst game of chicken with the rest of the league, as far as whether or not they're going to tank, like
1: they have to tank, right? Like they have to, <laughs> you made a great point. The the second that they unveiled their new jerseys, they, that was uh step number one in commanding the tank. Yeah. Those, jerseys, uniform. those
0: jerseys have number one pick written all over them. Yeah. Um, it's either going to be them or San Antonio. One of them is going to end up with Victor Wimbenyama, and we'll you know we'll see from there. But that's kind of my point, though. Is none of the guys I mentioned are better than Donovan Mitchell? So, like, what what are we waiting for? Because a starting five of Wendell Carter Jr., Paolo Benquero, Franz Wagner, Mitchell, and Markel Foltz get you into the playoffs this season. I feel like like either via the play in or just automatically sneaking into that top six you know, I don't care how young we are or how unexperienced the roster might be like, that's, that's a lot of talent, right? Or am I smoking something?
1: It's so interesting because the East is, was, you know, quality and quantity last year. Right. Or um, you're trying to see who's going to fall down and who's going to rise back up. Um, I, I would agree that Donovan Mitchell makes, makes us a playoff team and, um, maybe even top six pending health. uh, But it would also depend on who's left on the bench, right? Right. And, I mean, look, I still maintain that
0: the package is Jonathan Isaac, Jalen Suggs, Terrence Ross. And, I mean, I put – I'm going to say three first-round picks uh, plus a pick swap. I'll add a pick swap. Make it four for donovan mitchell and rudy gay like that that gets it done like the money's pretty close to even uh in that situation um you know the two of those three first round picks that you'd give up i i'd give up the denver 2025 and the chicago 2023 first um but i'm giving you Suggs, who could be very good he's already you know look he's a top five draft selection who is already a 90th percentile defender uh, according to Jeff Weltman, because he loves 90th percentile things, but you know, Jonathan Isaac, if he's healthy, is a defensive player of the year candidate. Like there's no doubt about that. Or at worst, he's a salary dump. Um Ross, you can trade for more assets or even just wave him at worst. But you know, Utah wants picks, that's fine. What what's your what's your viewpoint on the picks thing? Because look, I feel insulted when I see stuff like Um, you know, the Utah will trade Mitchell for seven or eight first round picks. I'm just like, fuck off, man. That like. (laughs) It, like that's like Luka Doncic, maybe like maybe even Kevin. Dur- that's too much for Kevin Durant. I think that's too much for Kevin Durant based off his age and, and injury history or whatever. But like seven or eight draft picks, you're, you're reaching like Luka Doncic, like elite level talent and age, basically. I don't know. what What's your viewpoint? Or do you just not care about the picks and say, screw it? You're going for it anyway. My, why not?
1: Well, no, it's crazy, right? Because there's nothing. Uh, valued more highly than a future first-round pick that will eventually turn into fifteenth or whatever, right? Or, like or two the, seconds, right? No. Right. Uh-huh. As the as the time uh, you know goes on, the value drops, and we saw what happened with Boston that had a treasure trove of picks. I guess that you know Danny Ainge is trying to execute the same plan again with a better ultimate result over there. Yeah. It's so crazy to even try and find a way to finagle executing a trade to to acquire to collect and send seven or eight first round picks and certainly for donovan mitchell who is a uh i would would you consider him to be a superstar i would consider him to be a star player but I don't know if I would con- put him in the category of superstar.
0: I think if you haven't made an all NBA team, you can't be a superstar. That's that's where he hasn't made an all NBA team. Like he's made three straight
1: all-star teams. Um, Do you consider Rudy Gobert's value to be higher than Donovan Mitchell's? No, but th- that's the problem
0: though is Minnesota. Well, that may be a problem or the solution maybe because Minnesota gave up so much in the Gobert trade that really maybe it it'll it it just takes four or five picks or you know four you know three first and then like two pick swaps or something like to to get Mitchell maybe maybe that's enough but
1: um i, I you know what do i mean do you view go bears higher value than Mitchell not moving forward i don't think cuz
0: go bears 30 like it's it ain't getting better for him and i mean I've, you know, I, I listened to a lot of podcasts. I've heard for podcast. And I mean, I've heard, I've heard people say the advanced numbers indicate that over like the last four years, like the Bears defenses has gone down or at least impact on winning has gone down slightly or, you know, last season being the worst. Um, so I don't know if that's a scheme thing. I don't know if that's just quality of perimeter players because Utah was lacking that. Um, that's the other thing why I want to go after Mitchell, though, is because I think he he would fit re- not just you know just he would fit amazingly well with this team and it's it's up that alley of the pace you know space pass thing where it's like in Utah they played a fairly slow offense by default with Gobert but also because they had like older less mobile type of you know type guards um, but I mean Mitchell in a faster offense can probably get you know get his free throws up uh, up higher and get a scoring average higher i mean it's, it's tough to go higher than 25 26 points per game that he's doing now but i mean i could i could see that on this magic team um you know i think he averages like usually around like five assists per game which that's that's more than fine for a shooting guard spot um so you know there's, there's this kind of thing where people want to say that mitchell's kind of a selfish player but I, I don't see that the only concern is the defense a little bit and part of that might be injury part of that's effort part of that again it's that utah team that window shut quick and it shut completely once joe ingles got hurt which is crazy because ingles is a 35 year old role player but that guy had such a huge impact on that team that once he got hurt they were done whether they knew it or not
1: um but yeah yeah go i i I was gonna switch gears just briefly we're talking about you know, the, the magic going all in. And, and I, I know we'll get to a more nuanced discussion later and certainly throughout, you know, the summer and into the season. But is it, is it all that crazy for the brain trust to, here's my thought process. We're talking about, yeah. you know, the Chicago pick, the Denver pick, et cetera. I, the most valuable future pick that we have right now outside of our own, would be the Chicago one. And is it all that crazy to think that Vooch? I mean, it would be better if, if Levine didn't resign, right? But is it crazy to think that Vooch shows some age? Levine has more injury, and DeMar DeRozan comes back to earth a little bit after a, a pretty great season last year, that they could run into some things that pushes their pick up to the top of the protect, protection where you end up with a, you know five six seven pick from chicago being conveyed to you next june
0: yeah i mean it would man it would have to go real bad for that like look i don't think billy donovan is a good head coach for the nba like i i'm on record a million times on that and he's the reason why vooch hasn't played as well in chicago as as he could have um you know obviously he's he's had you know he's had months where maybe he hasn't shot as well as he could have but i he just wasn't as used as you know, wasn't used as well as he was in Orlando. That's just, that's just my viewpoint there. But I think the, you know, Levine, I don't know if he's going to miss time to start the season, but I mean, it's, it's going to take him a bit to get going again, I imagine. And then I think the big thing is DeRozan. Rosen. If DeRozan Rosen falls back down to earth, even a little bit, like that pick's going to be probably in the teens, uh, somewhere in the teens, whether they make the playoffs or not. Um, so we'll, we'll see on that. I mean, Lonzo ball, who knows what his situation is for them. They they're, they're hurting pretty bad. I still think the most valuable pick is Denver for 2025, just because you don't know what's going to happen with Jokic between now and then if Jokic bails, like that pick gets interesting quick. um, I know both those picks have like top, I think the bulls pick has top four protection. So, you know, yeah. you, you you wouldn't want the bulls to jump into the top four for the ping pong balls, but I think the Denver pick for 2025 is top three protected. So if they jumped up to say fourth, like that's that's the ideal situation. But I mean, then there's you know the the situation plays out where, well, let's say you know the bulls win the number one pick, then the protections kind of get a little little easier there for you know for the next year. But I don't want to dive into protections because it gets boring real quick. But um, I think I think the bulls and the and the Denver picks are the most appealing right now, like um more more than than what the magic picks are just because i don't think the magic are going to be tanking this this upcoming season if they do plan on tanking i think that's a horrible decision and you're playing this out exactly like it was with jock vaughn and rob hennigan and that's completely unfair to
1: jabal mosley and the coaching staff um i mean do you think we're going to be tanking this upcoming season um the hope would be that we're not intentionally trying to not win games right i I mean (laughs) because we lost a
0: lot of games those first right. two months of mosley's like mosley's you know season career as as a head coach like we some of that was his fault some of that was we we weren't putting our best teams forward um you know right bef- like right before the the, co- the covid-19 uh spikes came and took out like all the nba rosters like the magic
1: left some left quite a few games on the table there yeah the hope would be that we we're playing the roster that gives us the best chance to win every minute of every game. Yeah. And, I, I, and develop, right. I mean, but, but develop through trying to win and being in that kind of environment. But like, uh, but yeah, guys gotta, gotta earn minutes, man. You can't hurt hand starts like Paolo's
0: exception is an exception. Cause he's freaking great. Like if Jonathan Isaac wants to walk into training camp and actually be healthy and show in preseason that like, I'm the man, and you want to push Paolo to the bench because Isaac's been so amazing. That's a good problem to have at that point from a basketball perspective. I'm not expecting that, but, um, you know, I don't want to hand Suggs or Cole Anthony the starting two job if Gary Harris is better than, than those two, which I think at this point, that's the best option to go with is start Gary Harris at the two. Um, we'll talk about depth charts here later on. I don't want to dive in too much, but I mean, the rumors seem to have it where Mitchell is. Tied very closely to the Knicks, like the Knicks seem to be like the closest by far to, to getting this done. Like Shams Woj say that you know they've got guys like quickly Topping Grime, you know Quinn Grimes and picks. And I guess the picks thing is the most important thing because everybody sees the Knicks as a horrific, you know as a horrific organization, so that's going to somehow screw this up. But I mean Mitchell combined with Jalen Brunson. And then whether they keep a Barrett and, or, you know, Randall, like that's like, I don't care how bad the Knicks have been in the past historically, like that, that's going to be a playoff team for, in my mind, I'll be absolutely stunned. Like whether Tibbs gets off the terrible start coaching the team and they have to bring in a different coach, but that, that's going to be very surprising to me if that's not a playoff team, if if they somehow get this trade done and get Mitchell in, but um, I, I don't know. It, it's because on talent wise, I think Suggs is better than quickly Topping or Grimes. You know, whether you know, obviously, offensively, he had a worse <laughs> rookie season than for Payton. But I mean, the talent's there. He, this, he, he's a top five draft pick, and that alone's better than anything the Knicks can offer talent wise. So then it just comes down to the picks. But um, I don't know. What's your viewpoint? Do you think do you think he's a Nick, and they're just stalling on whether they're given seven or eight draft picks, or do you actually think this is still wide open?
1: Uh, It seems like the Knicks are far and away leading. Um, I I don't know if it's all but done because you never know what's going to happen when somebody comes in with a Hail Mary offer at the end of the day. Um, But I, I would certainly agree that if he goes to New York, that they're a playoff team just by, you know, addition by subtraction of Fournier alone. Yeah. For real. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Oh man. But
0: I mean, I think, I I do think Mitchell would be an awesome fit for the magic. I don't know if you, I mean, if you disagree with me, but I mean, just based off our, you know, the style that we're trying to play, where there's a bunch of, you know, dribble handoffs and just, just moving at a quick speed. Like I I, people don't realize how painfully slow it was or how painfully bad that that Utah offense could get sometimes. Um, And so I, I, I think it'd be a good deal, but uh I mean the main thing that's holding this all bag is if Mitchell wanna to come to Orlando or not. And I, I just don't think he come want to come to Orlando or not. I think that our ownership has a role in that. Um, you know, Donovan Mitchell, he's he's big on social justice and uh our ownership doesn't have a track record of supporting that. Um they did some nice things in the bubble, but I mean, just with uh with other things. Uh it it doesn't, it doesn't line up so much with that. And maybe Mitchell wouldn't care in that situation. His agent wouldn't care. But I, I feel like I feel like he would. Um I have no sources on that. But uh, you know, no matter how positively uh Weltham or Mosley are viewed in the basketball world, you know, the DeVos family being owners of this franchise will always be that cloud that's kind of hanging above and blocking some of those sunshine rays. And there's going to be a percentage of the league player base. That's just never going to want to willingly come here. And that's something that doesn't get reported or doesn't get mentioned. And it should get mentioned more because that's an issue. And that's kind of a big motivation why, you know, this, they should sell the team to an ownership group that actually wouldn't run into that problem. But um, you still have to try and trade for Mitchell though. Like, I don't care if you like publicly mention it, if you just make throw your name out there, I know that's not, this front office is style really. But like if you get rejected by Mitchell himself or the jazz and you get rejected, but you have to try because there likely won't be a better opportunity next year, bringing in a star. We talked about free agents. So then it's like, unless Luka Doncic gets absolutely pissed and furious and wants to be traded here to have a Jamal Mosley reunion, like it, and that wouldn't be a light price tag by any means. Um, I, I just, I, I don't see a better option. I don't know. Any other thoughts before we move on to what the Magic did do in free agency?
1: Just a very quick hypothetical. So speaking of disgruntled stars and kicking the can down the road a year, how, how would you rank Jalen Brown as compared to Donovan Mitchell? I'm glad you brought that up. Because uh,
0: I, I thought about talking about it. Uh, first off, Jalen Brown would not be offered to the magic. I think the only reason why Jalen Brown's being brought up because it's Kevin Durant, you know, Kevin Durant is who they deem to be worthy of getting rid of Jalen Brown. Cause I mean, Boston just made the finals. Kevin Durant is still arguably a top three, top four player in the league. Um, that's why Jalen Brown's in this conversation. Uh, but I, I like Jalen Brown a lot. I thought he was, I mean, he was, he was awesome. Uh for much much or most of that pre you know season. I know he had a few, you know, he had some bad games here and there. Overall in the finals, I thought he did well. But I mean, he's limited from a offensive creative, you know, creation perspective. Like he's he, he's not gonna dribble his way to the hole often, or he's not gonna be able to dribble his way into scoring like a guy like Donovan Mitchell can. Like Mitchell, I get it, he's six one, but like he's got a six ten wingspan that makes up for it. And this guy puts up 40 and 50 point games often and Jalen Brown, he's more of a sidekick type of guy. So I view Mitchell more as an alpha scoring option uh, at the shooting guard position than I do Jalen Brown. Now would having Brown, Paolo and Franz all on the court at the same time, potentially switching and defending guys, you know, like crazy with their six, eight to six eleven bodies and frames be amazing. I think it'd be awesome, but I just think Mitchell would would fill more of what we need from a scoring perspective. But I like Brown. I just I mean, the price tag for Brown, I almost feel like would almost be the same or just slightly below Donovan Mitchell. So in that instance, I'd rather go for Mitchell. Also, they're about the same age, too. But what, what's your viewpoint?
1: I, I would rank Jalen Brown higher than Donovan Mitchell on my list, targeted for the magic. Uh, I agree that he would not be offered up to us because we're not sending back a Kevin Durant. but if Boston regresses this year um, because they don't make the trade and there's some chatter and some hurt feelings and everything else to the point where he asks out, uh, I think that's something that you know when, when the magic uh, their ass, their future assets become a little bit more clear as to their value, um, I wouldn't write that off totally yet
0: yeah i i mean i i wouldn't say no i, I like i said i i like jalen brown a lot and i mean he, he he didn't seem to be happy about that rumor that came out based off his tweet his tweets but uh i i'm a big jalen brown fan i would per, i personally think mitchell fits better for what we need um but i mean you're right i mean a lot can change between now and in a year but he's He's got this year and I think he's got one more year on his contract. So that's the other thing is like, if, if you get in a situation where you're trading for him, like you, you got to agree to like extension immediately if you're going to do that. Whereas right. Mitchell's already locked it up for a bit. Not that it means anything from a trade perspective, but just from a, a signing perspective. Yeah. Um, all right, let's get on to the magic free agency moves we did make. So I'm going to try and go in chronological order as much as I can. Um, salary cap wise, salary cap went up to 123.6 million. We're, I think, currently just slightly below that. So, um, I mean, we've been over the salary cap before; it's not a big problem uh, with us. Uh, you know, we, we, we've done that, but we always stay under the luxury tax for obvious reasons. Uh, but the luxury tax is listed at 150 million for for this upcoming season. So, but um, all right. So, the Magic, since our last pod, they did not offer Mo Bamba that 10.1 million dollar qualifying offer, but the Magic. Uh did offer Admiral Schofield a two-way qualifying offer to make him restricted. As we'll find out, Schofield is going to be one of our two-way guys from a Mo Bamba perspective. Um, you know, I, I got pretty excited that Isaiah Hardenstein had been rumored as a magic free agent target. Um, he helped me win my fantasy league. Uh, he's another German, so he fits in with Franz and Moritz. Uh, you know, his advanced stats exceed you know exceed bomba on both ends of the floor hardenstein can pass Obama can't uh he has a high motor Obama doesn't and kind of similarly with moritz wagner like hardenstein you know he he makes the most of his minutes and you know you know he's out on the floor like he busts his ass um simon's already mentioned he signed that 25 mil per season contract to stay in portland he was basically the one guy i would have had the uh, he's one of basically one or two guys i would have had the magic you know send an offer sheet to but i mean would you have given simon's 25 million dollars per season penny
1: i I would not
0: have no no it's he's gonna be really freaking good but i just i can't justify it right now and um yeah i I just can't justify it right now but so mo bamba turned down that qualifying offer but he did get uh, what had been reported as a two-year, $21 million contract, which he officially signed on July 7th. Um, uh, the second year is fully non-guaranteed. So it's $10.3 million per season, basically. Uh, so instead of taking the qualifying offer, Mobamba basically gets an extra few hundred thousand dollars above the qualifying offer. It's, it's, you know, it, it it's interesting. If he does, if he doesn't paint out, this season uh or doesn't keep improving against this season uh, you know that 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 might be it for him in a magic jersey but i'm just surprised that we brought him back i still think it's an overpay um you know i would have gone or like around seven million um people say it doesn't matter in the short term and for this year it doesn't matter especially now that we know it's basically a one year contract in the end um but I mean, I'll, I'll go over a few other deals, but, you know, Hardenstein, he ended up going to the Knicks at $8 million per season, which I think is actually good value. So bummer there. Um, Nick Claxton got two years, $20 million to stay in Brooklyn, I believe. And then Thomas Bryant took a one year cheap deal with the Lakers to be a starter for them, basically, which that's an awesome signing for the Lakers. Um I would have preferred any of them over Bamba. So I know what. what's your viewpoint on Bamba? What's your
1: viewpoint on the contract? Is it not a big deal now that it's basically a one-year deal? Yeah. So the, the biggest thing, and not just with Bamba, but with the rest of the signings all effectively being one-year deals, uh, I think is a big win across the board. Uh, yeah. I felt originally like the price tag was a little high, but essentially that's you know mid-level money now and that's just where we're at talk about inflation yeah. and uh, um it's going to be what it's going to be obviously he has accepted his role um as a you know there's no way he's starting at the five and Wendell at the four, or vice versa this year so clearly he's had to uh accept that he'll be in a backup role and honestly if he made the decision to come back on a one-year deal to try and prove it to the rest of the league. Um, that probably speaks to what his value was around the league this summer. Yeah. Um I, I like it's I don't I'm very
0: surprised he got brought back. Uh look he he finished you know we said it he finished out the year the season fairly strong. He had a couple games where he hit some clutch shots and it was clearly enough for for them to do this, I guess the Magic just didn't see a free agent either out in free agency in the NBA or out in Europe that, or in the draft that they thought would have been a better backup option. Um, it's still very possible that Mo Wagner is going to steal that those backup center minutes, uh, or maybe even Isaac is going to steal those backup center minutes. So, Bomb is going to have to work his ass off. Like he's he's under contract for another season now, but you know those minutes are. Better not be handed to him like they were last season. That that's all I'll say. And I, I I'm I, you know I absolutely obviously agree with you. There's no way he's starting. That's that's not happening. The only way he'll start is if Wendell Carter Jr. is hurt or out with illness or something. But um, yeah, I, it's it's not a huge deal at the end of it all. But um, you know, I I just I, I thought that I was hoping we could get like Hardenstein instead, and but it, it just didn't pan out like that. Uh, so we'll see. Um, I, I will say that I still see a lot of magic fans on Twitter blaming Steve Clifford for Bomba's lack of development, uh, the, at least the first few seasons. And I just I just think they have it all wrong. Like people forget that Bomba like during his rookie season didn't play his first game in Dallas because he overslept and missed team activities that day. Um, so he just, he got punished for that. But uh, Kim Birch, he took the backup job from him when we were in a playoff hunt and Bomba was given opportunity and he just, he couldn't rise to the occasion at the time. Kem is a, was a hardened veteran at the time. And, you know, I, I mean, even magic teammates have said that Mo likes sleeping in and he he hates waking up early sometimes, you know, it's they, 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 they're on record on that with that. Uh, but also with Bamba, I just don't think he fits kind of the pace space pass type of philosophy. If that's what you're going with with Mosley going forward and, you know, he's not known to be good at two of those. He's only good at the space part where he's, you know, he's, he's an okay three point shooter. He's not great yet, but he might become great at that. Um, I don't know what, any other thoughts on
1: Bamba before we go to the next person? I I think we've said it all and everyone has been wanting and wishing and hoping and last year was uh, I think about the best you're going to get anyway so I I, I would look forward to this being the last year that you'll see him in pinstripes
0: yeah I mean I I don't want to go that far predict or any of that like he's he improved last season. If he improves again this upcoming season, who knows? I mean, but he's, he's going to have to battle his ass off. That's for minutes that, that he's, he's going to have to do it. If he doesn't, it's going to be the last season we see him. I'm with you, but um, all right. Gary Harris pleasantly resigned with the magic. I was actually quite thrilled with this. Gary got a two year, $26 million contract. Uh, the second year is fully non-guaranteed as well, so it's basically a one-year uh, $13 million contract. So that is, in my mind, a really great job by the front office. Uh, I thought, and we talked about this, like I thought you would at least had to pay over 15 mil per season to bring him back. And I'm surprised that we didn't hear rumors of another team wanting to throw the mid-level at Gary. But I, I guess no one either didn't want to do it or it just it just never came out. But um, this is also technically an extension. It's not just a, a a contract signing. It's an extension because it was signed while still during the 2021-2022 season. So interestingly enough, he can immediately be traded because of that. You don't have to wait until December or January to, to deal him if that comes around. But, I mean, Gary, since December of last season, had was awesome on both ends of the floor defensively. Hitting corner threes like crazy. I mean, he's... He's good, and would would you start it knowing what we know at the moment right now? With uh, you know, Cole Anthony had his struggles towards the end of the last season on both ends of the floor, and then Jalen Suggs has you know had the angle surgery. He you know he, he missed summer league. He'll probably you know he should be ready for training camp. But knowing how bad he was offensively, like I would start Gary Harris at the two right now if you had to ask me. If 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 the Magic are trying to win games, what's your viewpoint on the two spot?
1: Yeah, I. I your reasoning is very sound for me I would still tend to give it to Suggs whether it's earned or not just to see what we have um but I in terms of Gary Harris coming back what a coup for uh you know from from our front office to to get him back on the deal that we got him back on and again I I feel like that one, while it may speak to his value uh, externally, not being potentially as high as as high as it could have been. um, I think that also speaks to his experience here since the trade from Denver and being willing to come back and continue um, in a support role, assume not being guaranteed anything playing time wise.
0: Yeah, look, Gary Harris, I view as like the only true veteran on this Magic team now, because Robin Lopez signed with the Cavs, and I'm gonna miss Rolo a lot. But I mean, from a vet perspective, like we're 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 low on vets. We're super young. Um, Terrence Ross is the oldest person on this team right now at 31, uh, and I mean, we don't have any room to sign anybody else right now. So it's that's that's what you got. I mean, I. Are, are you concerned with our
1: lack of vets is, is the short point of my question. Uh, I, obviously. Um, and that the concern about the vets is the concern about tanking. Right. I mean, to me, that's your if you're not building a balanced roster, then are you not building a roster to try and compete? Whatever the definition of competing is yeah, for, it, for this season.
0: Yeah, it's it, it. That's why, like, we should be tanking, but I have it in the back of my head that like Weltman might try and and do one more tank, which scares the living daylights out of me because I I, I just, you can't do that. But um, and I mean to support it, I mean look, John Hammond he spelled it out to Brandon Kravitz on 96.9 The game that twenty twenty three is the focus, you know, of going in on a big signing or a trade, you know, whether maybe they'll do it at the trade deadline or they'll do it you know next summer, but. And uh, you're also in doing so, assuming big freight agents or big trade targets will want to come here um, and that you can actually trade for them. So, you know, if you want to try and attract that type of talent, you, you can't be tanking. You gotta, you, you gotta actually try and win games. And, um you also got guys who have contracts that are beginning to run down you know Hill fultz especially you know markel doesn't probably want to be on a team that's not trying to win you know because he's trying to showcase himself and his value going forward um and you need to know who from these young guys are good enough to potentially be on a title contender like you have to find that out finally um i'm not expecting to say the play-in is the goal or the playoffs are the goal when it comes to media sessions but like you you know you gotta you gotta try and win um any
1: any follow-up viewpoints on that i yeah i i just that's kind of i've kind of resigned myself to to the 20 i mean it was clear as day when the he could say no more uh when he divulged to you know on the on the radio interview so yeah i feel like resignation is the healthiest approach, um, and looking for a pleasant surprise that may speed things up or change the change the course of you know of the plan.
0: Okay. So lastly Bobo got a two-year deal. Uh he officially also signed way wrong. on July seventh. Right. I was right. They ended up re-signing him. So uh he got he's getting 2.2 million dollars per season. Now the second year is also fully non-guaranteed. So Bobo is gonna have to prove himself probably really quickly because uh, we are one roster spot too full at the moment from an NBA contract perspective. Uh, you know, we got two two way guys we will talk about briefly in a in a bit later on, but uh, we have sixteen NBA contracts on the roster now. Um, that now that Caleb Houston got his uh, his four year deal uh, and obviously Paolo signed uh, as well, but uh, I feel like this is we'll talk about it in a bit, but. I didn't, you know, if you weren't going to bring back Bull Bull, then why wave PJ Dozier after that, you know, after the Celtics trade and then keep Bull Bull for the whole rest of the season? Um, you know, my, my own thinking would have been that they wanted to see how he would respond being around the team and practice and whatnot. And, and I, he passed clearly because he's, he got re signed. Uh, I, you know, he's going to have to show in preseason. I, I would hope that he, he can play. I don't know what position he's going to play. It's definitely not center. It's going to be kind of on the perimeter one way or another, be it maybe power forward or or whatever, just somewhere on the perimeter. Cause he's a perimeter guy. Um, what's your view on bowl. We'll talk about uh, the prop, the roster problem again, a little later
1: here, but what's your view on bowl. Yeah. I, my, my view is that I was shocked that, uh, you know, even though they had laid out the plan that you saw and I, chose to to blind myself to i was shocked that he came back i don't know where the pathway is to playing time uh obviously the skill set and the frame is something that is extremely attractive and you know hence why he's getting a second shot but uh also you know thawne maker got two shots and he's gone too not that you know they're the same player but I, I don't see where there will be much meaningful contribution. Um, and especially with health being a primary concern, it, it's, a, I would say, a long shot for anything of significant value to come out of Bowl Bowl coming back.
0: Yeah, I, I'll be curious to see if he actually plays in Lakeland because it almost feels like a third two way signing. But, um, you know, he's not, obviously not getting paid 500K. He's getting paid 2.2 mil. That's a big deal. But, um, I've got him listed as like the fourth power forward on our depth chart. So he's he's got a lot of bodies in front of him. And we'll see. I mean, it's it's one of those where they they could view him as a long-term prospect. And you know, maybe they gotta scratch that long wingspan itch. I don't know, but um it, it's or just the length itch that they that, that will him have. But we'll see. I all right, let's go to summer league now because. You know, I was in Greece for all of it. I DVR'd uh, a couple games. I I only cared to watch the first two because those were the only two games that Paolo played in. But you know, Paolo, Caleb Houston featured in it. Devin Kennedy, he I have him as the third point guard on our depth chart, but he's not really a point guard. He's kind of like a Seth Curry, undersized shooting guard. Uh, Devin didn't look like he fared too well in summer league. I'm a little concerned for him. Um, No Franz Wagner. I'll get to the reason why he wasn't around uh, because he's going to be playing for the German national team, but um, RJ Hampton played. He wanted to play. He said he wanted to play. He played point guard uh, more than anything, which I wasn't too happy about, but,
1: Uh, Cole Anthony. Nobody else was happy about that either.
0: Yeah, I saw a lot of bad tweets about RJ Hampton, which I'll get to in a bit, uh, at least with the the overreaction to RJ Hampton. But, uh, you know, he played. Cole Anthony didn't. Cole was you know, has been working out in New York. Uh, He was working at that Summit uh, facility in in NYC with Paolo. And then I already said Suggs didn't play in Summerlane because of rehab. But I mean, I don't know. Give me, give me your thoughts on Paolo. Cause to me, he looked like he kicked ass in his two games. He, he did well against both Jabari Smith jr. And Keegan Murray, who I think Keegan Murray won MVP of summer league. So he, he did good, but uh, Paolo played him pretty well. I thought on both ends, um, Paolo showed some clutch defending, which is promising. He got basically a game saving block uh, and then a game winning assists in that. I'm not just weird, bizarre, sudden death Sacramento Kings second game, that they played, um, he had, he racked up some turnovers. I'm not concerned about turnovers when he's that creative with his passing. Uh, and I mean, just looking at what I saw with Chet Holmgren and Jabari Smith Jr. Who are the other potential number one picks options. I just see flaws with those two. And I'm very confident and happy with the
1: Palo pick, uh, after summer league, your thoughts. Yeah, you, you know how I feel. I'm on record about summer league performance and the amount of stock to put into anything um, good or bad. I think the biggest thing that you're looking for with your draft picks is basically for them to not poop their pants on national television. <laughs> Which as you did not. As- as long as they're not literally shitting the bed. Um, Reese you know, Gaines style, yeah. Right. Then, then you feel pretty good because at the end of the day, especially um, with, a, with a well-rounded and, and kind of instinctual feel for the game like Paolo, the, the, the results will be better with higher level players around him in the same way that we saw with Franz last year. Um, Some of those passing lanes that he sees that nobody else fills, uh, those get filled, you know, when we get to October. So um, I don't think there's any complaints. And obviously the Magic had no concerns or complaints to basically put him on ice after a couple games.
0: Yeah and I mean we went 2 and 0 with 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 Paulo in there so I mean I thought our summer league roster was going to struggle and I mean after Paulo stopped playing uh it basically did but um I mean it just goes to show how how good the kid is cuz I, I you know our summer league roster was not that impressive uh you know give me your Caleb Houston thoughts cuz obviously he just got a 4 year deal he's he's getting paid uh, I think was it 8.2 million? I believe over the course of the four years he's getting, you know, he's the 32nd, he was our 32nd pick in the draft, but he's getting paid like a guy who's uh, picked in the twenties. So, you know, the magic seemed to have a lot of confidence in Caleb, but how'd he look in summer league to you? I thought he, he looked solid uh, when, when Paolo was, was out there, you know, but once, once it was him as the focal point offensively, like he, he had his struggles. So, I mean, I, 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 wasn't like
1: disheartened by what I saw, but it was, it was basically what I thought I'd see from Caleb. Yeah. I think, um, you know, when, when your game is patterned that way, I think off the ball, the, the off the ball movement, um, the willingness to work, to get open was uh, nice to see, but at the end of the day for his role, uh, it's hard to gauge defensive impact in the summer league setting like that. Yeah. Uh, um, so it really comes down to, are you putting the three ball in the hole or not? Um, and obviously he, he showed enough flashes of that to uh, make him intriguing as we, you know, get into training camp. He should have ran point. I thought like he's, he did it a lot for Canada. Like I thought he'd run a lot
0: of point and I, I, I didn't, you know, from the games I saw, I didn't see it. I don't know if he did it more later on, but um speaking of the guy who did run point guard, I'm going to do my RJ Hampton right now. So All right, good luck to you. Oh man. RJ Hampton is not a point guard. <laughs> like we, you know, he's, he's kind of like a magic Mike Miller actually uh, much more athletic, but I mean, he can, he can defend three positions. He can bang in threes if you but if you have him hold the ball longer than 5 seconds trouble is right around the corner. Uh RJ is not a primary ball handler. It's kind of like with Aaron Gordon. He's got enough skills and quick twitch movements to beat dudes as a shooting guard or small forward, but you know, RJ's only 4 months older than Jalen sucks. Like it's it's technically his third year uh, coming up now, but I mean he's he's a young kid. Uh, Hampton just like with Cole Anthony and the rest of the 2020 draft class, saw disruptions in not just the final months before their very, very, very delayed NBA draft, but you know, he didn't get a summer league or much of a training camp or preseason his rookie season, you know, in Denver. So um, you know, RJ didn't see much floor time under Mike Malone, uh, Michael Malone. Then, you know, when he got asked to play finally in like January, February, he missed a full month due to COVID-19. I think he's got Michael Porter Jr. to thank for that, unfortunately. But, you know, with RJ, when he finally got healthy, he then was traded immediately to the Magic. So, and he got his some great minutes under Clifford. I mean, I think his best minutes in a Magic jersey were under Steve Clifford. Um, you know, he the momentum he got, he lost last summer under Mosley and the new coaching staff. Uh, some of that I think is because you know, mosley has got kind of a looser co- coaching style, uh, least offense you know, offensively, there's not as much n- discipline. And I think a guy like RJ, uh, needed that discipline offensively. Uh, cause if you let him run wild, you kind of see the end result, like uh, some of those turnovers and some of those bad mistakes in summer league, uh, you know, in the 2021 summer league last season, which was also Cole's first and RJ's first, um, you know the NBA introduced that new basketball, which you know, which took a lot of adjusting to for everybody at that summer league. Cole struggled. I thought RJ was so-so last summer league. RJ, like Chuma, again, I thought played better under Clifford overall instead of Mosley. Uh, hopefully, that changes for both of them going to the next season. But people after the summer league wanted Hampton cut, which that's absurd. That like, that's not going to happen. He's a Mike Miller client. So is Paolo. RJ's not going to be waived because he was played out of position in Summer League. Does he need to improve decision-making? Yes. Does he need to improve things like his free throw shooting percentage? Of course. But um, I I just think people got a little too outraged at RJ Hampton. And in the two games I saw, he actually really wasn't as bad as the tweets
1: made it look to be. But what, what's your RJ Hampton thought? Um, I think it's unfortunate that <laughs> – the, he continues to, no, let me rephrase. It's nice that there's a willingness to expand your game um, and to go out there and, and do it on national television um, is a fearlessness that should be appreciated. Uh, and he's extremely young and extremely raw. And you should not put a ceiling on anybody in any field, uh, especially when they are wanting to improve themselves. But also uh, he needs to find his lane in the NBA and accept whatever role that's going to be quickly, or he will find himself playing somewhere not in the NBA just as quickly. That's my opinion. We feel differently about that. I certainly don't think he's in any danger of not being on the roster this season, um, you know, or, or being the odd man out as number 16, but he's got to take the flashes with the three-point shooting um, and, and harness that uh, elite athleticism that he possesses in a way that adds value to the team on the floor consistently or there's you know a lot of guys on the cusp that are ready to come in and take their crack at it yeah
0: look i mean again he shot like over 40 percent on catch and shoot threes like you're you, you got a shot to hang around a bit in this league when you're that young and able to shoot it look like that um that's my viewpoint there uh Then we had reports that finally came out that admitted that the Houston Rockets did indeed try to trade up from their third spot to number one late in the draft for Paolo and they just didn't offer enough. And so to the people who are still curiously perplexed as to why the magic kept the number one pick. So, you know, so secretive that's, that's exactly why. So uh, back off. Are you, are you surprised Benny that, that Houston tried to go for one late and does it kind of vindicate kind of the, the games?
1: Well, it's for sure vindication, but the ultimate vindication will be when Paolo has the, the the best career out of, you know, the top three, uh, top three guys. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, that's, that's step one of vindication and step two is that the magic made the right selection And that the, you know, determined that the value coming from the other side was not equivalent to, you know, what they what they assigned to Paolo. So uh, at least they played the game the right way in order to, you know, obtain an offer as opposed to going in blindly and, uh, you know, identifying their guy and going with him no matter what. Okay, let's talk NBA rules here real quick. So
0: the playing format has become permanent. Um, so you like that? I, I do. I do want to see a, a minimum game threshold because the tenth seed could be like way far behind the others. Uh, you know, behind. So,
1: I, which is I think is a good thing um, in theory, right? But, but for television partners who need that game, let's say somebody in the 10 spot does not meet the minimum requirement that presently doesn't exist. What do we fill that time slot with?
0: Yeah, I guess, but it's, I just, I just feel like that's kind of, that's kind of unfair to the other teams in a way, but I, I look, it, it's entertainment value and money. And obviously those are going to win out then, then, then my thoughts on that, on that. But um, the play, I like the playing a lot. I just, I don't want to be in a situation in the future. Hopefully maybe in the near future, where, like the magic end up as like the ninth seed. And then you got, or, or seventh seed. And then like, you got this really awesome tenth seed that is way far behind everybody, but they're, you know, they get everybody healthy and then can, can march the way to the playoffs. But I mean, it's it, that's, I guess that's what the plans for, I guess, to kind of give you like a second chance if you're in that situation. But yeah, um, I'm fine with the play-in. I like the play-in. It's awesome. What I also like is that the NBA Board of Governors also approved the transition take-foul rule that will award the offensive team with one free throw and the ball back. Uh, you know, The take-foul, it's still allowed after the last two minutes of the fourth quarter or in the last two minutes of any overtime period, which I don't like that part, but um, I just like that, the, that we might see some more open play, some more highlights, some more just also, take fouls can be dangerous. Like, Jokic almost killed Terrence Ross on a take foul. Uh, although it was more retaliatory, but still. Um, like, I, what are your thoughts on on either of those two things I mentioned?
1: Yeah, I, I think, again, for television purposes, play in game and take foul are two things that you're cleaning up and adding excitement, or vice versa, um, can only be considered good things. The Interesting part with the take foul is that basically uh, opposite of the off the ball foul, there's still uh, permission in some of the clutch moments of the game to do it.
0: Yeah, I, I hopefully the, the, the it becomes so successful, successful to take foul that they just become, you know, make it permanent and put it in like all aspects of games. Uh, but we'll see. I, you know, it's it's an experiment. It should bring immediate success overall, but um, yeah, you never know. We'll see. All right, I, I hate that I don't have access to to like a gambling site or like a, or like Vegas uh, you know a, a Vegas uh, casino right now. but uh, early Vegas odds have the magic over under win total for next season set at 27 and a half. Mm. Uh, obviously, the magic didn't do a whole lot this this free agency other than mostly bringing in Paolo. I guess that's why they, they thought we'd win maybe five more games than, uh, than we did than we did last season. You know, we won 22 last season. Over under 27 and a half. Uh, right now, if there's no like drastic changes to
1: the roster, uh, Penny, are you going over under? Um, I think it's an easy over this year and I've been pretty pessimistic for a while, but uh, hard not to find an additional, what six, seven six. wins with uh, six, yeah, six wins with health and with the number one pick added to the to the roster. Yeah, here's the thing:
0: like I, I'm a hard over as well. Like if we don't finish with at least thirty wins, something very bad happened, and Jamal Mosley might get canned. You know, if it what if, it, if it's not COVID related, like it's like even if the Magic lead the league for a third straight season in man games lost due to uh, COVID or, or injury. Like, I still think we could beat that 27 and a half. Um, I'd rather not go through that again. And I think the magic are playing uh, roulette again with, uh with their training staff a bit right now. Uh, there's some shuffling going on, but um, I will be, absolutely stunned if this team does not good, win more than 27 and a half games that's that's where i'm at with that any any further follow-up to that
1: if they don't win 28 games uh I, yeah if something has gone really really haywire and we pray that, that i guess that something went hay, haywire with the bulls too because uh, otherwise it'll feel like a little bit of a wasted year mm, yeah I guess that's the that's the one bright
0: the bright thing if we do uh, end up tanking like crazy because I mean the top there's like at least four or five like elite prospects at the top of the draft uh, that uh, people have been hyping about for like two years now at least so I'd rather not go down that path but if it does somehow come about like uh, I guess you got another chance to add to uh, to your talent an easy way okay. Let's, uh, let's talk national team stuff here. So Franz and Moritz Wagner are on the German national team for the upcoming Eurobasket uh, championship. So I'm a big Eurobasket freak. Anyone that's ever followed me uh, or knows me knows that I love international basketball, and I especially love Eurobasket. Uh, it's a big deal that Germany is also co-hosting this tournament. They, they host all their group stage games, and then if they get to the knockout, round germany hosts all of the knockout games so um you know the first group game is against france september for september 1st that's when the tournament begins and it runs through the 18th of september uh so it's almost three weeks of of just fun craziness and look i've been following past magic players in eurobaskins it's hito and that includes forney and vooch uh, Mo Wagner last summer dragged Germany into the Tokyo Olympics. It was impressive. And I think that's what actually led to him having a very good and efficient magic season last season. And so, um, yeah, I'm going to try and get as many magic fans addicted to illegally streaming sure. Euro or, you know, international games as much as possible. Now, I think all the EuroBasket games are on ESPN uh, or watch ESPN. Um, they have been in the past. I'd be surprised if they weren't uh now here in the coming future but um there's also going to be I think some some 2023 FIBA World Cup qualifiers before Eurobasket starts as well as some friendlies and I think one of those games is Germany play Slovenia so we might actually get to see Franz and Mo go up against Luka Doncic and we know Luka does not like Moritz uh, but uh If Franz gets the guard Luca, that'd be pretty awesome. But um, what's your thoughts on 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 Franz and Franz in particular? But also, I guess Mo being on the German national team for this EuroBasket. I know you're not the biggest international basketball fan, even though I've been trying to push you and convert you like a million times over our friendship. But um, you know, this is Franz's first big, uh, first senior tournament with Germany. He's he's played youth tournament uh, youth tourney games, but first time on the senior level
1: yeah I well, first of all, I would say I love all basketball, but I love <laughs> high, high definition more. So um, I it, it's a big thing, right? It's uh especially when you're getting actual playing time and quality minutes. Um, competitive basketball is there's no substitute for it, including um, open runs in the summer and, you know, individual workouts with a personal trainer. Like when yeah. you're playing high level basketball against high level competition, it only serves to make you better. Um, so I think it's only a net positive for the magic that, you know, you get a couple of brothers over there getting their reps. In. I'm going to be fascinated to see how this plays out. Cause,
0: uh, I am set to be at the EuroBasket semifinals, uh, on the 16th of September. Um, I hope to see uh, some big names. It'd be pretty crazy if Germany was in one of those semifinal games. Germany the last time they hosted Eurobasket, they won it in 1993. I was actually pulling highlights of that. It was it's still kind of a improbable run uh, and result that they won it in 93. And Franz's role under this uh, you know under this German coaching staff is going to be fascinating because you got Dennis Schroeder, Who's going to be the point guard? Who is used to soaring, you know, twenty plus points per game for Germany? He's he's the go to option, and I'm going to be fat. It's going to be fascinating to see one how many touches Mo Wagner gets if he gets as many as he did last year. But do the, does the offense shift to Franz out of the gate, or do they ease him into it? That's that's the that's the interesting thing because this could turn into a Dirk Nowitzki situation, or this could turn into a Hedo Turkoglu for Turkey situation this could turn into like a Christoph's Porzingis situation for Latvia where Franz could become just a stud immediately scoring wise. And if that happens that then you're, you're unlocking stuff that could be very, very useful for the magic. And you can, you can really get a look of, of what he can be from a scoring option perspective. So, um, you know, that's my, that's my viewpoint on, on that. Uh, I will talk about Paolo Benquero, though, not being uh, on the Italian national team. And Italy, they're not expected to do much in this uh Euro basket. They're kind of in a transition phase. And even though Paolo said that he's going to likely play for Italy next year when the 2023 FIBA World Cup happens in the Philippines, um, I feel like he's just missing an opportunity not playing for them now because Italy hosts all their their group stage games in, in Italy for, for this Euro, you know, for the, for this Euro basket. And I'd rather see Paolo playing for the Italian national team than at these proams like kind of like what you were saying, where it's you're missing out on meaningful basketball. Like I think Paolo, he's going to play in another program this weekend, I think, but I'd rather see him play for, for Italy, instead of like in for black ops Am or Jamal Crawford, Seattle games and whatnot. Um, just playing in that type of atmosphere, that Eurobasket atmosphere, especially when you're actually hosting games in front of your home crowd, it's electric. Like you it it nothing in the NBA can match it, honestly, honestly, god. And you know, it would have been just a perfect opportunity to get in there now cuz again, Italy's got zero expectations. He's the star Italy needs. He could be there Giannis Antetokounmpo in a way. Like he could be freaking amazing and there's a lot of Italians here in the U S that would root for him for sure. For sure. I don't know. What's your viewpoint on Paolo. There's magic fans that have been pushing back on me saying like, Oh no, you know, he, he really shouldn't put that much pressure on himself. Like he should focus on his magic rookie season, but like it, it, he'd still have, you know, a few weeks between the end of EuroBasket and training camp and he's a young kid, he's going to be fine. And you know, it's meaningful. It's meaningful reps in an awesome situation.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I can go either way. I think the domestic United States fan uh, certainly puts a lot more emphasis on their team than international competition and prioritizes the health and rest of the player over the summer to be ready to impact uh, to the fullest. But, you know, aside from all the basketball, I feel like we're talking a lot about uh, the magic and a lot about. Uh, european basketball and we're not talking enough about your summer and fall extensive travel so that's real (laughs) talk about fascinating uh this guy's island hopping in greece and then he's going to uh, what Oktoberfest too
0: yeah i mean i guess i'll share it now um hopefully everything goes well with my flights and whatnot (laughs) um I have got a pretty tight window for getting into Berlin for those two semi-final Euro basket games. So hopefully that goes smooth, but I'm going to be in like Berlin. I'm going to be in Munich for the start of Oktoberfest. I'm going to be in uh, Vienna, Austria. I'm going to be in Brno and Prague, uh, Czech Republic. Actually, I think they call it Czechia, uh, Czechia now, I think, but uh, I'll just say Czech Republic cause it's easier to say, but
1: yeah. Um, are you to gonna be here, back but... and, and ready to go for training camp? Do you think that you'll you're you're gonna uh, be back and fully recovered? Uh well, let's
0: see. From there, I think I, I I'll be in Frankfurt. I get back from Frankfurt the day before Media Day starts for the magic. Okay. So, so tight turnaround. Tight turnaround. It's not like Good. I'm gonna it's not like we cover, you know, I, I'm gonna cover <laughs> media day in person anyway, so who cares? But um, I'm gonna be ready, especially if uh if you know, especially if. Uh, I somehow get to see Germany in like a, a semi final, hopefully not yeah. the expense of Greece, but um, you know, that that'd be crazy if I get to see freaking Franz and Germany in a semi final. If Euro Basket that that like that Mercedes Benz Arena is going to be freaking insane, um, if that happens. But uh, I'm hyped, I'm excited. All right, one last Euro point. So, uh, Admiral Schofield, we already mentioned, has the one two way spot. Iggy Brasdegas won't be coming back and taking the other one because he's going back to Lithuania and he, as he signed with Zaugris. Um, I guess the magic are going to have a different tank commander this season. Uh, <laughs> Cause even though Iggy, he, Iggy played well as the season progressed, like the last few months of the season, Iggy offensively like was fairly efficient, but then like defensively he wasn't like a complete negative. Like he, he held up, he did all right. So um I don't know. Any
1: final thoughts on Iggy Bristagas? I, I can't believe that you just talked yourself into saying he did all right. That's he did all right, man. He did all right. He, uh, he, right? All right. he yeah, wasn't as be... good as Dwayne Bacon, but he, he yeah. did all right, man. All right. Yeah. Um, uh, he seemed well-liked by his teammates. He was. Yeah. I mean, yeah.
0: Michigan That's guy. So he, he, Michigan guy. So he fit in with Franz and Moritz. Right. So, okay. um, yeah. but uh, the person that is going to take, the second two-way signing spot is Kevon Harris. So I saw how the Magic tried to phonetically pronounce it in the press mm-hmm. release, and it's actually Kevon. So kind of like Keon dueling. it's it's Kevon Harris, I believe. Um, yep. And if it's wrong, he'll correct it in an interview, I'm sure. But um, Harris, he averaged 16 points per game for Minnesota uh, at Summer League. He's listed at six six. 215 he looks shorter than 6 6 but I, I don't know but he can hit threes he just turned 25 so he's the same age as Schofield. but uh he played well for the raptors 905 last season and he can dunk and he's not shy of contact like he had like one ridiculous dunk in summer league that i saw today that was uh that was impressive just for that alone but um any thoughts on harris he played for uh Stephen f austin who I guess back in 2019 when he scored like 20 points in an upset over Duke. So he's, you know, people have been keeping their eyes on him and he's he he's got shooting potential. Uh, he should be a better shooter than Schofield. So that you know, it's just interesting to see that the Magic are using up two way spots on guys that are in their mid 20s. Um I don't know what's your what's your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I mean he he seems fiery and plays with passion. I I look forward to learning more about his game while he's on the roster i do i I have one final parting shot for for iggy that i wanted to bring up uh (laughs) you know it's bad when jeff turner can't quite get behind a left-handed player
0: (laughs) you're not wrong man he yeah yeah, he yeah it's jeff's pretty gentle on calls but yeah, (laughs) yeah there's a few times there where it's like he he was out on iggy there for a bit but um, I think he I think he won him over a little bit towards the
1: end, but uh, yeah, at the, at the end, Jeff Turner's like, yeah, he did all right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, uh, In terms of the two way stuff, I think mid twenties is fine. You're you know you're really hoping, uh, especially with all the development for our primary roster and the fully guaranteed, uh, you know, guys that taking flyers on people in their mid twenties. You're you're hoping to find uh i would i would say like uh, a duncan robinson type um who uh, maybe not a great example cuz he just got a whole lot of money too but you're you're really looking to maybe find uh like a number 8 or a number 9 guy that's mm-hmm. probably best case scenario with uh you know developing or or mining through to try and find gold here with uh, somebody on a two way contract yeah we're we're deep on the uh, in the off season when we get to uh, exhibit ten contract
0: rumors. Um, you know, uh, Drake Jeffries, a shooter from Wyoming, he's rumored to be at Magic. He'll be rumored to be. He's rumored to be at Magic training camp. Uh, you know, when that opens at, towards the end of September, he's likely destined for Lakeland whenever he signed an exhibit ten contract. So we'll we'll see on that. Um, let's talk Magic depth chart here before we talk about the the last thing, which is the Magic roster situation, because. We're at 16 NBA contracts. That's one more than you can have. You can only have 15 NBA contracts. We have the two two-way guys, Admiral and Keevon. So we, we, we don't have to worry about that with them. You know, We're at 18, but uh, we got to worry about the, the actual 15, MB, uh, 15, 16 NBA contracts that we have. So my magic dev chart is a little unique. So at center, I have Wendell, Mo Wagner, and Mo Bamba. I actually do see uh, Wagner uh, taking some backup center minutes away from, from Bamba as we, as, as we go, go along the season, but we'll see. Maybe, maybe Bamba will keep improving and prove me wrong. Power forward. I got Paolo Okiki. I put Isaac as the third string power forward, because I'm not expecting anything from him him right now. Uh, Even when he's back in preseason and even the regular season, he'll probably be on like a minute restrictions and maybe get sat for, back-to-backs and whatnot, and then I got four, you know, Bo Bull as the fourth power forward. Small forward, I got Franz. I got R.J. Hampton as the backup, and then I got Caleb Houston as the third-string guy. Uh, shooting guard, I'm starting Gary Harris at, at two. I put Suggs as his backup, and then Terrence Ross I put as the third shooting guard because I, I don't know how Terrence Ross is still on this roster. He can't believe it, probably. but um. And then point guards, I got Fultz. Cole and uh Devin even though Devin isn't really a point guard he's he's the third uh, backup he's the third string point guard in this situation but um I guess it's it comes down to this Penny like what do you think is going to happen right you know if you had to guess going from 16 to 15 like is this going to is this going to be playing out through training camp and preseason like is it as simple as trading Ross for like a second round pick at this point could the magic wave Kennedy and then send him back to Lakeland, um, what, you know, which would suck for him because he's already 26. And, you know, he, he seemed pretty confident. He was, he, he, he was on the roster. So that's, that's up in the air, or maybe like waving a bull bull who wouldn't be that expensive for us this season. Cause it's you know just a $2.2 million, which isn't a big deal for us this season. Um, you know, maybe he doesn't look good in training camp for preseason and then that's it. They, they pull the plug. So what, what, what do you think is going to happen, Penny, with this, with this roster?
1: Well, I, I don't think that Ross gets moved to resolve the roster issue. I think if you're moving him before camp or, you know, before you have to cut down the rosters, then you're moving him at the, uh, time when you'll get the least return for him. The simplest answer is often the the most likely and and sometimes correct, which would be uh, a really good story turns crappy for Devin Kennedy when he goes back to Lakeland. Uh, You also look, I think, um, just roster construction wise. I know we're going positionless, but we're we're thin at the five spot. Where you know we have a lot of versatility three and four, but. Uh, if the Magic intend to get any healthy minutes from Jonathan Isaac at all is it a stretch to think that they'll put him at the five for spot minutes or what happens if a big goes down even the you know even the two-way spots are are both guards so I don't think that bodes well for Devin who had an inspirational comeback um, and and obviously shot the ball real well but um to me i think that's the easiest solution and and the most likely what do you think um i actually think we're going to trade terrence ross for a second round pick
0: that's <laughs> that that's where i'm at like i it's oh it's fascinating with him because like he had that one twitch uh interview or one interview wherever he was like i'm god man i'm out of here i'm ready you know i'm gonna get you like a new situation and then like he backpedaled quick and hard on that because he, he you know every like all his podcasts and like his twitch videos it's basically now him being like oh man i you know, i love the the future of this magic team like i i can't wait for next season like we might be a play-in or playoff team and it's some happened where his agent was like man you played like shit last season so bad that you couldn't get traded for even a first round pick at the you know a a, a, a conditional first round pick at the trade deadline um the advanced analytics that came out. I don't know if it was NBA university or somebody else tweeted out that, uh, that T Ross was the second worst defender basically in the entire NBA. And on top of that, it doesn't help when you shoot 29% from three point range. So um, right now you're basically treating him as a 31 year old guy who potentially could be a very good spot up shooter for a playoff contender who's in the final year of his contract. So we screwed up with Fournier. where we waited too long to trade him and we got Two you know what is it two second rounders basically for Fournier. Um Ross will be lucky to get a second at this point, so I I don't want to keep them on the roster just to keep them on the roster. Like I again I've been through this just because you're 31 years old doesn't necessarily make you a great veteran. Um, I know I, I just I I don't I'd rather give the minutes to Caleb Houston or RJ Hampton or you know, somebody else I'd rather give his minutes to. Um, and I, I just think he'll be the guy that gets dealt. And, uh, and heck maybe, maybe we're going to do the Mitchell trade and this solves everything with the roster. Cause yeah. we'll have more players going out than coming in, but um, I think it's going to be a roster. And I think it's going to be something uninspiring, like a second, uh, like a second round pick. That's where I'm at.
1: Um, any final thoughts uh, as we get out of here, Penny? Yeah. Uh-huh. Just, just thinking about the combinations and permutations just makes you excited for the year. And circle back to hoping for health and hoping for uh, playing to to actually win some ball games.
0: Yeah, and hopefully the next pod will be about how we traded for Mitchell or Kevin Durant somehow. <laughs> uh, but it'll probably be uh, after this. The NBA releases the schedule. Uh, I think it's set sometime mid late August. I think, but. It might all be on hold till, till Durant or Mitchell or especially Durant gets to trade it away before that comes out. That that's going to be fascinating, but uh, we appreciate you listening to another episode. Please subscribe and give us a wonderful rating. Wonderful ratings uh, help us get up in the, uh, in the search fields for, for all podcasts. Uh, tweet us any of your questions and feedback. Penny, what's your Twitter handle at Spencer Strode. and I am at Papa Giorgio MBO. And with that, take care. Let's go magic.